Let us pray. Startle us, O God, with your truth, your love, your joy. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I want to begin today with sharing one of my favorite verses of Scripture, words of Jesus, that you hear me speak when I invite you to the communion table, as I will do today. Come to me, says Jesus, all of you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and in me you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I love this verse because this is the character of Jesus that I connect with. Jesus cares for us. Jesus holds us up in the midst of struggle. Jesus acknowledges that life is hard, and he offers us comfort. It's a pandemic, folks. It's a global pandemic. A number of weeks ago, we passed the milestone of more loss of American life than the Vietnam War. It has upset all of our regular rhythms of family and school and work. It is a virus, a biological event, and somehow we found a way to politicize it so we are in conflict with one another instead of united against it. The virus is disproportionately targeting poorer people and people of color in our communities, amplifying injustices that were already present. These are hard times. That is an understatement. There is no question about it. These are hard times. Jesus, knowing that we need help, does not share some unhelpful cliche. He does not say, God will not give you anything you can't handle. He does not say that in times like these, God helps those who help themselves. Neither of those sayings are in the Bible, by the way. No, our God comes among us in a human person, Jesus. And Jesus comes alongside us in our struggles and says to us, Come to me all of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. He wants to help us. The second part of the verse is as important as the first part of the verse, I believe. Take my yoke upon you, Jesus says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I have always found that to be a surprising thing for Jesus to say. If you pay any attention to Jesus' life, you quickly conclude that his burdens were neither easy nor light. He carried the sufferings of the world on his very own shoulders all the way to his death. He himself was on the receiving end of injustice and oppression and the very worst of human behavior. So when Jesus says his yoke is easy and his burden is light, all I've ever been to been able to conclude is this. Jesus must have had incredible confidence in the goodness and purpose of his life. 
Most of us struggle with psychological demons that keep us from being at our best. Perhaps we experience self-doubt. Perhaps we worry about the purity of our motives or wonder about compromises or poor decisions we've made in the past. These kinds of things can make it harder for us to be at our best. But Jesus did not seem to be so troubled by many of the trappings that depress and discourage the rest of us. He was not afraid. All he had in his heart was love. So his yoke was easy. And his burden was light. I believe that Jesus wants to share with us his deep sense of meaning and purpose, and so he comes alongside us when we struggle. He gives us rest, and he invites us to get to know the easy yoke and the light burden of his life. There's a story in the Gospel of Mark about one of the many times that Jesus hopes to lighten the burden of another person and hopes to show that person the way to a better life. A rich man, that's how he's named in the story. A rich man comes before Jesus, and he greets Jesus kindly, asking him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This man goes on to tell Jesus that he has obeyed all of the commandments. He has done all of the things that his religion and polite society have expected of him. Jesus responds to the man with kindness. The story makes it a point to tell us that Jesus looked at the man and loved him. And then Jesus says, You lack one thing. Go, sell what you own and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. It is tempting to say that this is a story about money, and no doubt Jesus had plenty to say about money, but on this occasion I sense that there is something else going on. This rich man comes to Jesus with a troubled heart. It says that he kneels before Jesus, and it's as if he's saying, I have done everything I was supposed to do, and still I am unsure. I am anxious, I am unsettled. What must I do, Jesus, to gain peace? And Jesus, because he's Jesus, knows exactly what is at the heart of this man's question, and he cuts right to the chase. For you, sir, it is your money. I know you have obeyed all the commandments, you have followed all the rules, but your money really is your God. If you want peace, get rid of it. Come and follow me and free yourselves, free yourself of the burdens your soul is carrying. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. The man's problem is not simply that he is rich. His problem is that he is at a crossroads. He has done all of the right things, but they have not worked. He has followed all the rules and still he is unsettled. Jesus names this man's issue. His issue is money. And the story says that the man was shocked and went away grieving. Which is to say that Jesus nailed it. Jesus names the crossroads. This man knew he had been trying to avoid. 
and he went away grieving because he was not ready to change. I've thought about this story and others like it a lot in the last four months. As we first started to shelter in place, a surprising number of people asked me some version of the same question. They asked things like, Adam, do you think this pandemic is going to force us to ask questions about the lives we were living? I was surprised. Here we were in a pandemic, facing great struggles in the immediate present. And the question suggests that before COVID, we were very much aware that something was not right, that things were not as they should be. I suppose I shouldn't have been surprised, because I agree. If you were to look back at my sermons from the past several years, you would find plenty of references pre-COVID to rising rates of suicide and addiction and studies about widespread depression and loneliness, indicators that suggest we are not so happy. I, uh, so I guess I was surprised to have people, I guess I was unsurprised to have people ask me as a preacher to reflect upon those questions. At first, I did not want to do it. I did not want to talk about those questions. I felt that the philosophical questions of what does this pandemic mean, I felt they were secondary to the immediate concerns of people who were infected and dying, and that those immediate needs were where the focus needed to be. Our focus still needs to be on those who are suffering most acutely, and that emphasis is likely to return as we see the virus surging this week. But I will admit that in recent weeks, my perspective on the big questions has changed. We need to talk about those big questions. In the last month, there seems to be a profound pressure to return to normal. Some of this push arises out of genuine economic need, and I understand that. But there's something else going on, too. It is understandable that many of us are experiencing fatigue about physical distancing and boredom with the stay-at-home routine, and we are hurrying back to what was normal. A part of us is aching to get back to that normal. So right now is a critical time for big questions about our lives. We are aching to get back to a normal, parts of which were deeply flawed. We are tempted to, back, to go back to that normal because we knew it and we were used to it. And that would be sad. So the time to address those big questions about what this time is supposed to mean, the time is now. It's as if we are standing before Jesus and we do not want to miss the chance to ask, Good teacher, what must I do? What must I do to have the life you created me to live? If we don't ask it soon and seriously, at some point we are going to find ourselves back in the pre-COVID life we were living where we knew that some things were not as they should be. These big questions about the way that things ought to be, they are not just personal questions, they're about the life we live together, that we share as a society. And these big questions are being asked at many of the highest levels. 
For all the reasons I mentioned in today's welcome message, these are good questions for us to ask about our country as we celebrate the 4th of July this weekend. Here's an example of what I'm talking about. This past week, Forbes magazine ran a story called Greater Capitalism. It was about the dramatic shifts we are seeing in the economic life of our country during this time of pandemic. It's a great read. It talks about the seismic shifts we're seeing as a result of bold and creative business leadership. The article talked about big changes taking place in a whole range of economic categories. The out-of-control costs and debts associated with higher education and healthcare, the need for companies to place less emphasis on shareholders and more emphasis on caring for their employees, the risks and transparencies the pharmaceutical industry is taking in order to find a vaccine, and the list goes on. The point of the article was very much in line of the point of this sermon. These elements of our economic system were broken before COVID-19. Here's how the author's article, or the, the article's author, Randall Lane, put it. Capitalism, he said, the greatest engine for prosperity and innovation ever created was already under strain before the coronavirus pandemic. Despite a decade of impressive economic growth and job creation, a plurality of Americans still reported feeling as though the system was rigged, that hard work and playing by the rules no longer ensured success. Now, the article was quite optimistic, celebrating the ingenuity of creative, compassionate executives who are hard at work these days. But it ended with something of a cliffhanger. We're at a crossroads right now, Lane wrote, toward a greater capitalism or a continued societal fraying and the sobering alternative that the innovations we're seeing now could all be for naught. In very much the same way as the rich man who appears before Jesus, our economic system has a chance to come to terms with some of its brokenness and make changes but we may choose instead to walk away grieving. Of course, it's not just the biggest enterprises in our country that are shifting, but smaller ones as well. And churches like ours are going to see some long-term changes too. Not to take this sermon on a big tangent about that, I'll offer to you a simple example. The Church Bulletin. The Church Bulletin. All of the best wisdom about what will look different whenever we start to worship in our buildings again, all of that wisdom suggests that church bulletins are a bad idea. We need to not be handing around all of that paper to each other. If I have anything to say about it, we will never have church bulletins again. Never. And it has nothing to do with COVID. Most of you would be amazed and appalled if you knew how much staff time is devoted every week to creating that piece of paper that you use for an hour and then throw into the bin. We spend hours trying to get it perfect every week, but we make mistakes, and inevitably some staff member's week gets off to an unpleasant start when we come in on Monday morning and find a copy of the bulletin under the office door where one of you has circled the comma we missed. Never again. Never again, that's what I say. 
And it's not that the church bulletin doesn't include a lot of important information, because it does. But we can figure out a better way to do this. And we will. I'm sure that we will. The church is going to find itself asking a lot of interesting questions, I think, about what it really means for us to be the body of Christ as Jesus intended and if there are things from our pre-COVID church life that we might be better off without. If this pandemic can lead us to significant positive change in our economic system, and if it can help us to get rid of church bulletins, something I've been trying to do for years, it certainly has the potential to lead to some important changes in your life. It may be that you were not so unhappy before COVID-19. If you were rather content and grateful for the life that you had, I'm glad for that. Many of us were. Others among us might have been quite disturbed about one thing or another in your life. And this time might be a positive opportunity for you to consider some change. Regardless of where you might have been personally, this season is granting us an opportunity to ask big questions that might repair some of the brokenness in our culture. Perhaps things can get better. So why not take the opportunity of these days to consider some things that you might want to change? I did make reference to some of the big questions once before in my sermon back on April 26th. Maybe this is a good time to ask those questions again. I wonder if any of you have been thinking about them. What am I discovering that I can do without? What have I been taking for granted? What does it mean to me that COVID is hitting some populations much harder than others? What am I willing to do about that? Who had I forgotten was essential? What have I found keeps me feeling connected to other people? Do I need to ask for help? How do I let go of some stuff that doesn't really matter? Of course, all of this thinking, all of this thinking is in service of how we can grow as children of God and love our neighbors more fully And none of it is meant to be navel-gazing that takes our focus off the immediate sufferings that are caused by the virus. Especially as we can continue to see new surges in the pandemic, stay safe out there, and let us continue to pray and act for those who are suffering the most. For now, we find ourselves at a crossroads, A crossroads, much like that rich man who came to Jesus so long ago. Whatever questions you may put before Jesus, I hope you will remember that this Jesus is the one who looks upon us with compassion and love. This is a Jesus who knows our struggles and who says to us, Come to me. You who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, 
and in me you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light.